Bobbing down Poinsettia, Chapter 22. Fortuitous Rosemary. I had a lot of first-time experiences with summer. I mean, I had a lot of first-time experiences since moving out to L.A. anyway, okay? Yeah, certainly hadn't been just a, I'm just relocating for a new job type experience. Fuck no. First-time homeless. Living out of the backseat of a car, bathing in a gas station sink. Sex with women who had brown skin. Crystal meth. Crack. Compton. Doing movies. Being constantly mauled by numerous devil cats in a penthouse high-rise. Die-hard immigration hang-ups, Mexican poker cheats, alcoholism, the Catholic Church, alternative music, being in love for the first fucking time, paid for sex, and now murder. Murder. Summer had two sisters back home, she told me about. Cora and Maddie. Being the youngest, Summer had nothing but, you know, praise, obviously, for both of her older sisters. She loved them deeply. They still live back on the East Coast, not too far from Summer's mom, Lena. Cora was the oldest sister, then Madalena, then Summer. She'd show me the pictures of the three of them together with their mom, Lena. Oh my, I took a second gander at the picture. Summer wasn't kidding around. Cora was fucking gorgeous. Her, her hair was Darker and shorter than Summers, but wow. They were fucking gorgeous. They all three had the same, you know, beautiful high cheekbones and eyes that, you know, I pretty much identified them as sisters. She could have been a hand model, my sister. Summer bragged about Cora while simultaneously wiping tears from her eyes. I watched her spread the photos out on the coffee table she drug from the hall closet. Wow, Summer, I agreed gently caressing her back. Cora was so beautiful. Yeah, she quietly whispered. Her hands, her hands were like flawless. She really could have been a hand model. She's pretty. I put my arm around her shoulders and I hugged her and I kissed the side of her wet face through her hair. I'm sorry, baby. At least you got the boobs in the butt. I said, trying to lighten the mood, but not really knowing how to console somebody who had had a direct relative murdered. Summer exhaled with a smile. Yeah. I got the boobs, she got the hands. Lena. She had left several messages on the answering machine while we had been out shopping. She had told Summer that Cora had been missing for days. No one knew where she had gone. There wasn't a husband to speak of, or kids. She did have a career. She had a nice house, but it hadn't stopped her demise. Lena told Summer the investigation was well underway and police were fucking stumped. Someone hadn't just beaten Cora to death with a baseball bat. No. Someone beat that beautiful woman beyond recognition. When they found her, they couldn't tell if she was man or woman. They didn't have to wait for the medical examiner to tell them that a bat had been used as a murder weapon because, well, it was found in the ditch of Cora's body. Then the past several days, someone had tracked down that woman, drug her from her home, beat her beyond recognition, then dumped her 
and the murder weapon to be found. That was significant. Certainly made the hair on my fucking neck stand up. To be found. The authorities wouldn't allow Summer's mom, Lena, to go down and identify the body because the killer had been kind enough to leave all of her identification in her pockets. After pleading with law enforcement, Lena had finally been allowed to go down to the coroner's office several hours after the body had arrived. She insisted to be allowed to see her beautiful daughter, but the police refused. Well, the morning we found out Corey had been killed was the very morning Lena had convinced authorities to um, allow her to go down to the medical examiner's office. and Under the supervision of the police, medical examiner pulled the sheet back just far enough. See the fingers? Lena collapsed. Look at her hands. It was Cora. It's a bullshit fucking business. That's all I could keep thinking. I sat with Summer and I cried. I genuinely cried. I had to bring up the obvious. Rosemary. Would Rosemary really try to reach all the way across the country to get Summer's attention? But Summer assured me Rosemary did not know her real name. Shit. Didn't make me feel comfortable. But it's fucking different when love's involved. It's different because you're scared. I was scared by how fucking far that goddamn nutcase bitch is going to go. And as a scared, shitless young buck, I was highly proactive. I'm going to kill that cunt, I told Summer. Are you crazy, Brit? Summer fired back. It's not Rosemary. She assured me. Cora had enemies. They don't know who killed her yet. They probably never will, Summer. I countered. I'm a little worried. She doesn't know my name, Brit. Don't worry about it. I let it go at that, you know? I mean... I don't want to fucking hound her the condition she was in. But I could feel it coming. For some reason, it seemed like the dark stars were starting to line up. Summer was so despondent, I wanted to put her to bed. I wanted to tuck her in. I just wanted to take care of her, but she'd have none of it. She planned on flying out the very next fucking day, and... She insisted on working that very night. Britt, he's a really good client. I know he's going to tip me good, so I really I want to keep that appointment. She explained as I bitched about having to go out and fucking thump that night. First fucking time in my existence out there, I didn't want to go. I mean, I really didn't want to go. I couldn't stomach the thought of fucking going out. More and more, I was starting to hate this shit, you know? I didn't want it for her. I didn't want it for me. I was... People were getting killed. I didn't even know Cora, but I was crying because it hurt her so bad. When do we just not go out? That's all I kept thinking. How could I say no to the big tip? 
the money she wanted to take home to her mom to contribute to the funeral. That night, Summer got prettied up, called and confirmed her appointment with Klein out of her address book, and um, I drove her to the Bonaventure. I knew the quickest way downtown. Shit, I'd just been doing a movie there a few months ago, you know, the fire thing. Anyway, um, we get to the Bonaventure now. We go to a hotel. We had a different kind of system when I was working as Summer's driver. You see, Summer already had that appointment scheduled, and she would go on up. Naturally, I'd keep a close eye on things, but there's only so much I can do. See, I can't even go inside because hotel security is going to be all over me, okay? But what I am allowed to do is watch that fucking clock and keep an eye out for anything that might tip me off. Summer may be in trouble. Then one way or another, I'm going up. Hey, Billy Badass Hotel Security, don't try to keep me from my woman because I will fuck your ass up. Okay? This is for future reference. Call the cops. Fine. I work fast. I will fuck you up. Get my woman and roll anyway. Fortunately, that night we didn't have to worry about that shit because it was one of Summer's regulars. And I probably would have gotten my fucking ass kicked. <laughs> no. I mean, honestly, it was one of Summer's regulars. I still hated his fucking guts. But it was one of Summer's regulars. Summer had me pull up in the valet area so she could hop out of the Mercour. I was thankful to be in the Mercour, not the BMW. Yeah. Just simply for the fact that I wasn't in Rosemary's BMW, easily recognizable as the smartass who had been driving through the valet at 1 a.m. one night months prior, just fucking with him. <laughs> all those hours, all those fucking nights I spent in those cars waiting, waiting while Summer did her thing. I can't say that it wasn't fucking lonely as shit sometimes, you know? I felt sorry for myself sometimes. Yeah, I did. I guess. I don't know what the fuck you call it. It was depressing sometimes. And, well, that night wasn't a big deal, but... I could get Cora and her murder out of my fucking brain. We just found out less than 12 fucking hours earlier, and we're already out hustling for money again. What the fuck are we doing here? Those were the kind of conversations I'd have with myself. All those nights sitting in the car outside waiting. Looking out at the night. Waiting. Anyway, the hour is up. I couldn't do a five-minute knock. I just had to rely on the fucking hour and hopefully Summer keep an eye on the clock too. Yeah. The hour was up, so I got out of the car. And I walked towards the front entrance of the hotel. In a situation like this, I'm not going to get up to the room past security. But what I can fucking do is go to security and say, hey, I have a friend, blah, 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 blah. I'm here to pick him up. Would you ring the room, please? That's what I can do. Now, this is where assholes like hotel security and thugs from the street work together for the good and safety of the woman. I stepped into the Bonaventure and... Please don't get me on the fucking layout of it. I ain't been there in 30 fucking years, okay? But there used to be a collection of payphones right there in the fucking lobby. You walk in, there was a collection of payphones. And as I walked in, Kirstie Alley was on the payphone. 
We were the only ones in the fucking lobby other than hotel security standing over by the fucking front desk. But when she saw me, the smile immediately came to my face as it did hers, that beautiful smile, and she winked at me. <laughs> we were so young, and I was so geeky, afraid of closing both my eyes, and capable of winking, I smiled and waved. I mean, it wasn't like some longing, loving look or anything, but her eyes did stay locked for a good two seconds. Kirstie Alley winked at me. Matter of fact, that was the first thing I told Summer when I saw her. Kirstie Alley winked at me. <laughs> and on the way back to West Hollywood, she looked over. What happened in the alley? Next morning, we pulled up to the Trans World Terminal, the LAX, and I walked her to her gate. Yeah, you could do that back then. I walked her, carrying her bag. After a night of crying, she was just emotionally wiped out and drained. We got to the gate just a few minutes before they started boarding. You going to be here when I come home? She choked. Oh, baby, yes. Summer, baby, I'm going to be right here. I kissed the corner of her mouth. You go take care of your sister, okay? I said, hugging her. Okay. She's not having a little whimper. I love you. I love you too, baby. More than you'll ever know, I replied, and I'm going to be here when you get home. I watched her hand over her boarding pass and make that long walk down the jet bridge towards the plane. Right before stepping out of sight, I was so happy to see her turn and wave and disappear. I actually prayed to God it wouldn't be the last time I saw her. I stopped by the same liquor store that the skipper from Gilligan Island had obviously shopped in, you know, about that time. I don't know that Alex Hale's big fat ass was a drinker, but hey... I know his picture was hanging up in that liquor store, and yeah, I'm name-dropping again, bitches. It was a weird time when Cora got killed. Got my ass back to West Hollywood, and I didn't leave the fucking apartment. I didn't dare. You know, I expected Summer, you know, to call. No. Indeed. My first love called me. Later in the afternoon, just let me know she made it out on the East Coast, and um, she's with her mom and her other sister. We said our goodbyes, and um, well, the sun was still up, so I said, fuck it. Put on my boots, and I went for a walk heading west on sunset towards Butterfields. <laughs> Butterfields, well, it was at uh, Errol Flynn's house. Yeah, matter of fact, it was Errol Flynn's house. <laughs> Errol Flynn himself had once lived there. I didn't give a shit. B had taken me there once for lunch, and I really liked the food and the fact that they didn't card me. Yeah, they didn't card me, so I was able to go in there at the age of 20, and, well, I sat alone at the small little outdoor cafe right below Sunset. Ordered up several bottles of my favorite kind of wine I couldn't pronounce and um, proceeded to get smashed. I could have gone out and collected, yeah. Kathy had more work for me, and she was the liaison between me and 
other madams up on the North Shore, so fuck it. Who knows? But anyway, there was opportunities to work. I just didn't want to. I didn't want to do anything. And that's the truth. It was crazy for the first time, even though I was just kind of catty-cornered to the old Ciro's. It's now the comedy store. And, you know, a little further down was the whiskey, the rainbow, and plenty of other places 20-year-old have a fucking blast at. But I was depressed. Not because of Cora's death, believe it or not. Even though I was sad about that, I was mostly depressed because it was the first fucking time Summer and I had ever been apart since I had annulled my marriage. I missed her already. I was scared for her. I sat there and I just got shit-faced on fucking wine. Nobody loves no one. Summer called me the next morning and told me they were making all the necessary funeral arrangements for Cora. We can't have an open casket funeral for her, she complained. It beat her so bad, Britt. We just can't have one. It's so bad, I just wanted to reach through the phone and touch her. I'm sorry, baby, I know. I'm sorry. Hey, so what did you do last night? She asked. Um, I tried to call and you didn't answer. I recalled. Oh, yeah, honey, I'm sorry. I went out to over to Butterfield's, um... I just come back home and I went to bed. Brit, she said, don't just sit around and be depressed. Go out and do something or go see Barrack. Well, after getting getting around, I I reconsidered what Summer said and I decided I'd call Barrack. So I did. I called my dear friend Barrack and Hacienda Heights. I didn't want to bother Christian. He was too far out in 29, but... Barrack was closer, and I decided to go ahead and take a job for Kathy. See if Barrack wanted to come along and split the cash. This was another pain in the ass. We were having a real hard time getting to. Right, right, this is another one of them bogus Johns that spent the night with the woman and then faked out on her with the fucking check. He lived in Hawthorne. You gotta be a dumb shit to accept a personal check. Period. Let alone somebody from Hawthorne. I'd gone once by myself and knocked repeatedly on the door to no avail. I wanted to kick the door in, but he lived in one of them old garden variety-like apartments with the center courtyard and the thin metal railing that goes around the center second floor. Yeah, that kind of an apartment. With all those doors and all those windows. Mm-mm. This had to be a quick, efficient job. In, out, and gone. That's why I figured, eh, why not? If we score, we score big, we can go out and have a good time on that fucker's money. Sure. I called Barrick and he was in. He made the drive all the way down from Hacienda Heights. Don't ask me what the fuck he was driving. I can't remember. Probably the Audi. Barrick had a brilliant idea. Excuse me. He had the best idea two fucked up guys could come up with. And look, I want to make something perfectly clear, okay? I'm telling a story here. This isn't a brag. I'm just relaying something that I did a long time ago, okay? I'm not proud. But I just want you to know who I, all of me, am, is, was. Barrick and I's trip to Hawthorne was comical. 
The guy we were to click from lived down there, as best I can remember, like I say, one of them garden variety apartments, and Kathy had called me time and time again about this guy, but I just wasn't interested because it was a tough job. It was going to be super fucking risky. More eyes, more ears, more fucking risky. It just a couple of weeks prior, I had done a risky job, but it was so ingenious, it was an easy collect. There's a Middle Eastern fellow who lived up in fucking Northridge. He owed a whole bunch of money to Kathy, and well, he wasn't fucking paying, and nobody could get him to open the door to make the collection, so I went. Yeah, with a little Nerf football. He had a big privacy fence around his backyard, so I hopped that fucking fence out of sight of his windows and then threw that Nerf ball directly against the glass door. That's right. Nerf football bounced off the glass sliding door into the patio furniture, and sure enough, Middle Eastern fella, he come unlocking the door and walking outside. Immediately, I trotted over as though I had made way through the gate. Sir, I am so sorry my brother and I are playing ball. Oh, that's okay, he said, picking up the Nerf ball and handing it to me. Immediately, I threw a gun under his chin. Hey, it's not okay. You're in trouble. Yeah, let's be real quiet so I don't shoot you. Hey, come on. Let's go find your wallet. That was a good score. This was a better score, but it was going to require two guys. That's why I needed Bear. Bear parked his car on the side of the building, grabbed a crowbar for his trunk, What's this for, I said. Man, fucking use it. Just bust open the deadbolt. Thanks, man. I must be fucking drunk. (laughs) He giggled as we stumbled towards the uh, complex. Seemed like the most logical idea to me. I was tired of fucking around with this guy. I'd only been there once, but I had heard enough from Kathy. And look, he owed $600. $600. Okay, $600. Back then, that was a tremendous amount of money, and I got 50% of it. Yeah. I was dead set on getting it that night. I was feeling particularly aggressive. We made our way up the concrete steps, the second landing. Quietly stepped over to his door. Bear put out his cigarette before crouching with his shoulder pressed against it. I gently slid the crowbar as deep as I could between the door, the frame, and the midway between the knob and the deadbolt. I looked at Barrick. He nodded. With all the strength I had, I put one foot up on the fucking frame and pulled. That motherfucker wasn't budging. Unfortunately, before Barrick could charge through the door, a cantaloupe-sized chunk of it ripped loose and flew over his shoulder into the courtyard below. There was like this large, massive, gaping cantaloupe-sized hole in the fucking door. I'm not kidding. Okay, softball size. Still, just big enough for Barrick and I to both simultaneously peer through. Guy was sitting on his recliner, both his hands cupped over the armrest and a complete look of shock on his face. Fucking A. I was shocked, too. It didn't occur to me to reach through the hole and try to unlock anything. Nah. All I could think of... How ridiculous it must have been seeing our faces through the fucking hole simultaneously. (laughs) Two fucked up idiots. Kids. The man jumped from the chair and he ran down the hall towards the back of the apartment. Gun! Barrick warned. Yep, I replied. We both did a 180 rash 
rushed back down the nearby set of stairs. Hey, look, I was good at intimidation and instilling fear and even kicking the shit out of people from time to time, but I had no direct interest in being remembered as the man who died in the gunfight at the shithole corral. We were gone. Yeah. Man, had to have been running for some kind of fucking weapon. I wasn't going to stick around to find out what. Yeah. On the way out of town, I had Barrett pull over to a gas station payphone. I, ah, fuck it. I wanted to call. I wanted to call Cat in Santa Monica and let her know I fucked up. Well, to my surprise, regardless of how stupid we must have looked peering in through the hole in the door, after weeks of vo- <laughs> after weeks of avoiding Kathy. He called her. That's right. He called her. She assured him that Barrick and I would get him eventually and we would come back. So, when I called, she was still laughing. And she instructed us to go back. He's leaving some airline tickets under his neighbor's doormat, she began. Just take him to the LAX and cash him in. Are you sure? I asked Kathy as traffic passed by. Yeah, she said. They're going to be under his neighbor's doormat, okay? I think they're Delta tickets. Just take them to LAX and cash them. Well, I don't mind telling you it made me truly uncomfortable going back that fucking soon, but... Yeah, it was the carrot at the end of the pole on the string. We're going back. That was the second time I ever loaded the weapon... Yeah, I loaded the pistol this time. He knew we were coming now, and if he was waiting on the other side of the door at the shotgun, I didn't want to go down for lack of shooting back. (laughs) Cautiously, um, we walked through the courtyard and back up the stairs. I don't remember pointing the gun at the door, but I did have it out. It was at least resting by my side. I... Even as a kid, I knew it didn't mean shit, but for what it was worth, if he was peering out from behind that fucking curtain, either in the dining room or the living room, I wanted him to see that I had that gun and I was ready to defend. By then, <clears throat> the guy had stuffed a towel in the hole I'd created. <laughs> that kind of made me smile. I stared at the uh, blinds and curtains and shit, looking for any indication he might be watching. I saw nothing. Barrett carefully made his way over to the neighbor's door, lifted the welcome mat. Sure as fuck. There's a sleeve with a big wad of airline tickets in it. Holy shit. Barrett grabbed it, walked back down the stairs. As soon as he was past me, I followed, never taking my eyes off that fucking door. As soon as I was clear, I hauled ass out to... Yeah, it was Barrett's Audi. That was it. (laughs) Once in the car, we drove to the LAX and cashed them fuckers in. You better believe it. You could do that back then. We cashed them in with our, well, I just used my Oklahoma ID. And even if you didn't show identification, it was still possible. But I had my Oklahoma ID. I give them that. And um, it was a little more than $600. I'm not going to say how much, but uh, I will say this. (laughs) Me and Barrett got a nice split before we took the remaining six to Kathy. And then we got that split too. Fucking A. Hey, we put in the work, right? Next day, I started to clean up the apartment really good, you know. I hadn't trashed it or anything, but 
I just wanted Summer to come home to, you know, a clean house, clean bed sheets, clothes, towels. Once again, I vacuumed, swept, polished. The funeral for Summer's sister had taken place, and like I say, I wanted her to come back to a clean house, clean bed to sleep in. I didn't want to lay anything stressful on her at all. I was busy doing my thing and making enough money. I could carry us for a while if I had to. Anyway, I was busy taking care of stuff at home when the phone rang. I thought it was summer, so I hauled ass over to the kitchen. Hello? I answered. I know, baby, Beatrice said anxiously. I was shocked as shit to hear from her. Hey, B, what are you doing? There was urgency in her voice. I had to talk to you, baby. Okay, I replied, sitting down on the chair by the shitty dining room table. What is it? I not want to talk over phone, baby, she insisted. Uh, uh, okay, B, I said, kind of confused, mildly irritated. Um, you want to come over here? I suggested. No, baby, she refused. I meet you at Ralph's. Ralph's? I questioned. B, I can't really get out right now. You have to, baby. You're in danger. I- she warned me. You see, at first I thought she was full of shit. Please, baby, just meet me in front of the inside store. I still believe deep down this is nothing more than Beatrice being a drama queen or something, but I agreed to meet her in ten minutes in the front entrance of Ralph's. Not the phone, not the fuck. Put my boots on, made my way up the poinsettia to Ralph's. Crossed the parking lot, entered the east door. B was standing near the west side doors. Over by the water jugs. What the fuck was she doing over there? I walked by the long row of checkout lanes over to where she was alongside the rack of water cooler bottles. What the hell's going on? I demanded, closing in on her position. B actually glanced around the fucking grocery store before answering. Rosemary. My shoulders sunk. My mouth dropped. What the fuck now? I replied angrily in front of all the shoppers. I didn't hide my frustration. Even the fucking punks were looking at me. He took my hand and immediately led me over to the produce section. She told me, Chaka is coming here to hold you very bad, baby. Very bad. I closed my eyes, shaking my head as we walked towards the fucking fruit. You gotta be fucking kidding me. Are you fucking serious, B? I feared for you, baby, she swore. They come tonight. Forget that. Are you fucking serious? Yes, baby. Hold me. Come tonight. We strolled through the crowded store. It was obvious that B was a hell of a lot more scared of Rosemary than I was. She let me in on what Rosemary had been up to for the past few months, yeah. She had told me that Rosemary continued to show her fucking discontent about the relationship between Summer and I. Shot her mouth off every time we were out of the picture or out of the fucking way, not that I was ever there. Apparently, in the company of Bee, Karen, and Jenny, and some of the other girls at the penthouse, she had sworn. She had sworn retaliation against me over and over again. 
According to B, she had been playing it cool in front of Summer to keep her happy, but in private, that fucking bitch was waiting for the perfect opportunity. And after the murder of um, Summer's sister, Rosemary got it. Summer was out of town. That was enough. And according to B, she hired two punks to come to Summer's apartment that night and take me out. Just like I thought. Rosemary knew where Summer lived. And I had a funny fucking feeling. Rosemary probably knew her real name, too. After looking down. And then looking back up at B. And hugging and kissing her. And really thanking that woman. And realizing what a true friend she'd truly been to me all along. I told her I loved her and I meant it. I watched her walk out, get on that ninja, and drive off. All the way back to the apartment, out the front of the fucking store. Past other shoppers. Past the parking lot. Families. Over the crosswalk. Over sunset, past the drugstore, past families and people walking pets. Same words kept us kept in my mouth all the way back to our apartment. Fucking bitch. Fucking bitch.
listen to Bombing Down Poinsettia, Chapter 22, The Fortuitous Rosemary, Chapter 23, Bombing Down Poinsettia, back next week, same time, same place, bitches, until Friday, high noon, by Candillos, me amigos.